And we're back with episode three of This Movie Sucks. And being three, that makes us a trilogy. So we're already on par with Lord of the Rings. Almost as long as well. Well, we are longer than Kim Kardashian's marriage to Chris Humphrey. So that sums, that says something for us. Anyway, guys, oh, I <laughs> I am heresy. I'm the cult in the stable. I'm what Kane was to Abel. Mr. Catch Me If You Can. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. <laughs> and... Who are you? What are you doing here? Oh, my name is Cedric Jameson, a.k.a. Bunny Defender, a.k.a. your mom's favorite Applebee's date. Mr. Bunny Defender, are you ready to dig through the ditches and burn through the witches for this episode? I'm ready to slam in the back of my Dracula. All right, so if we haven't given it away yet, you probably already know because you've seen the title of of the podcast. We're going to talk about a, a an animated film, first one for the show, directed, co-produced, and co-written by Mr. Rob Zombie, and that is The Haunted World of El Superbisto. And what an animated film to make our first. This was a great pick for people like us. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sure we both assumed that uh, the first animated movie was probably going to be a Gundam. Or some kind of uh, some kind of anime. <laughs> I honestly assumed it might have been uh, one of the Tab Murphy movies. Yeah, I, I just I just had that in the back of the mind back of my mind that that's what we would start with. But being who we are as people, the fact that it's this makes sense. Oh yeah. Uh, so let's uh, let's have a little bit of a, a look at this movie before we start talking about what actually happened in it. Uh, so it was a 2009 release. It was released in September 12th, which those dates are roughly when we actually decided that this movie was going to be on the list. That's uh, that's quite the coincidence. There's not a lot of details uh, for the movie. Uh, we found that it had a $10 million budget where... Pretty much guessing that it's gone straight to a DVD release. We can't find any of the figures of what it's done at home. The budget was originally $500,000. and That's not a lot for animation. That is not a lot for animation. This was supposed to be a, a very kind of um, contained thing. It was actually supposed to come out pretty quickly. And Rob Zombie, we all know that he does quite a bit. Uh, so he was actually making uh, rejects when this kind of all you know, got approved and they were starting to do everything and they started working on it and then he had to leave the project for Halloween. Mm. So this ended up taking, I think he said, about three years uh, to complete. Uh, and then he came back from Halloween, everything finally got put together and then he was out on tour because that's what Rob Zombie actually does. And that was it. Then it just kind of came out and we ended up here. And here we are. I'll talk a little bit about the scores later. The cast. Oh yeah, we end with scores. Oh no, no, I'm talking about the um the inconsistency of scores from other places. Oh, it's oh, it's okay, pretty gotcha. it's pretty wild, uh, to be honest. Actually, do it now. So, IMBD gave it a five point eight out of ten. Mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a solid forty percent. Mm-hmm. Then Amazon is a four point seven out of five. Mm-hmm. So I think we have found where most of the degenerate viewership, uh, they're coming from Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's Rob Zombie 
uh, as a whole. Like I hadn't seen this movie before we watched it, but Rob Zombie is one of my favorite directors uh, and and someone I look up to in that space. Uh, like all his movies end up being pretty divisive. You need yeah. to have the appetite for something like Rob Zombie's movie. Uh, like I still talk to people who are unsure of how they feel about House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, even his most commercially successful, The Devil's Rejects, is still splits some hairs. So I figured this one would be equally, if not more divisive, being an animated film, because those usually yeah. catch a little bit more heat. Yeah, especially when uh, the animation style uh, is very nostalgic, um, because mm -hmm. it was done by the same people that did Red and Stimpy. It's from the, the Carbuncle cartoons. That makes sense. Yeah, and you can you kind of feel that now, like, but uh, no, it's very niche inside of a niche inside of a niche, mm -hmm. which is um, pretty fair to say after watching the movie. Yeah. What were your thoughts? What were what were you thinking? Not having seen it and coming in fresh. Uh, it almost lost me initially. Yeah. Uh, it brought me back in a little bit, and then I was okay with the movie towards the end. <laughs> uh, but it 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 was a it was a wild wavy ride. Uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of a lot of groaning, few laughs, and you know, kind of kind of just a this is the same side of the coin where one coin was super polished and yeah. and really well done, and then the other side was like not even low hanging fruit, but like fruit yeah. that had fallen off the tree and decayed a little bit. Yeah, which I think honestly that comes down to that's that feels very Rob Zombie for me. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. that is that is very on brand for him. Um, like take his love of the the old fifties uh, horror films, uh, which we see a lot of those monsters. Um, and even Murray the robot oh. as a playable character, playable character, a character in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, yeah, I, I, it yeah. definitely felt Rob Zombie. It definitely felt Rob Zombie. Um, yeah, you can tell writing this that he was laughing his ass off the whole time. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and it definitely felt catered to uh, that kind of demographic where it's like, oh, you know who's going to watch this as soon as it comes out and buy the DVD because we're talking two thousand nine. Yep, it's going to be thirty five to forty two year old men uh who really like rob zombie yeah like that's that's the demographic that this is going for that's what it hits uh this does not feel like a sit down with your wife movie <laughs> uh <laughs> no th this is this is probably not a uh a sunday family view no there's a there is a lot of cartoon titties so many so many and as a constant like it's it's not a mm -hmm. It's not a one-off kind of thing. It's not even uh, they're not kind of drawn into scenes naturally. Uh, they were they were fought, no. They were shoved in. Um, yeah, especially when we talk. Notice this is also the. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no go for it. Uh, I was just gonna say. Notice this is also the first episode that we've done where we haven't like made a point to be like, oh, by the way, if you want to know what we're talking about, go watch it real quick and then come back. Like we're we're not <laughs> even like recommending this movie. 
Like, we just dove right in and we're like, oh boy. I, we I have something for you guys. I've been dying to talk about this. Um, but <laughs> this is not the first time I have seen this movie. I have seen this thing many, many times. Some of the songs in this movie have been my ringtones previously. Like, I, <laughs> I am all in for this movie, uh, which I think is a. Uh, a recommendation from me, you probably should go the other direction. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I take a rogue approach to most things in life, and this is definitely one of them. But uh, let's talk a, a little bit about that plot. Not that the plot is overly important in this film. Um, uh, no. Because it does also fall to the wayside quite frequently. Uh, there's, there's a few scenes in there that kind of cut out of it, and you're like, oh, yeah, we're supposed to be doing something. Which, uh, that throws you out a little bit, uh, but this is just a, a pure enjoyment kind of watch. This is not something when when you're talking about classic cinema, this movie probably shouldn't come to mind. No. <laughs> uh, so the Unless plot- you're talking about one of the jokes referencing classic cinema, because yes. there's a ton of those. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. The, the cameos from, uh, like- just about every 50s um, kind of monster you can think of. If there was a monster that was in a black and white film, uh, it, it's made some form of cameo in there. Um, as well as even- More uh, than that, yeah. More modern references as well. Yeah, exactly. That, that's what I was going to bring up. Like, like in the first five minutes, he runs over Michael Myers with his car. Yeah. Like, which <laughs> is funny because like that's the project that took Rob- off the movie yep. was going to do Halloween. I was like, ah, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I get it, Rob. I get it. But- um, and Rob's talked a, f- a few times about how making a Halloween movie was his dream come true. And then it yeah. ended up being an absolute nightmare. Uh, yeah. So it's funny to see the frustration even then. I, I didn't even look into that too far. I just thought, oh, Mike Myers, that's uh, that's what he was. Yeah. <laughs> he did that too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is a yeah. I, I didn't go very in depth. This is this is a very shallow, fun view, um, and I didn't read into it too much more than that. <laughs> this is a, this is not a, a movie for the meeting of the minds. No, no. no. What one wild thing though? Uh, just one of one of my first impressions was how weird it was to hear Tom Papa, yeah, talk like this. Because like I'm a huge stand-up comedy guy, and I'm I'm familiar with Tom Papa. Yep. And one of the things about Tom Papa is he is a clean comedian. He does not curse. He does not make innuendo. He is a clean. You can take your kids to see him. Comedian. Yeah. And all other com- all the comedians he talks to on podcasts are like, "How do you do clean comedy?" And he goes, "Well, it's much harder." And but like that's his thing. And then he does this, and I'm like, <laughs> "Bro, what?" And then it says written by Rob Zombie and Tom Papa. I was like, he was getting some stuff out. He had some yeah. stuff built up that he just needed. He just needed to say fuck a lot. He needed to say titties a lot. Like he just needed to get it out of his system after years of doing clean comedy. Oh yeah, and see, so, like it's also fun because this is this is technically a, a comic book movie. This is based on mm-hmm. the comic that uh, Rob Zombie and Tom Papa uh, co-wrote together, like the series. I feel like I need to read that now. I I just I, to I see have read it. it's, what it's about. Yeah, it's so so very similar. I I actually I read it after watching the movie, so I already mm-hmm. had those voices and personalities kind of imprinted. Um, right, which I don't generally like to do, 
but it works really well in this instance. Now, is is this a an adaptation of the comic book, or does this kind of exist within the universe? Like, if I read the comics, am I just reading the movie? No, 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 no. So it's it's not a, a complete ripoff. It's just very much the more of the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, Nazi zombies. Um, gotcha. Which is yeah, which is also a massive thing in this movie. Yeah. There's a lot, um, which actually brings us into talking a little bit of the cast. Like we've already touched on uh, Tom Popper. Uh, Paul Giamatti is Dr. Satan, <laughs> which is Which hilarious. in and of itself, uh, Dr. Satan being a character is a reference to House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah. I was I was very pleased with Paul Giamatti in this. Yeah, it was like, it was really good. Uh, and if you don't know Paul Giamatti from uh, a lot of things, I think one of his more recent uh, roles is Chuck Rhodes in Billions, uh, which he plays fantastic character in that as well. And us uh, younger millennials will know him as the blue guy from Big Fat Liar. That too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, he's done a bunch of stuff that I've never, ever kind of placed him in before. Like checking mm-hmm. out um, like his his filmography is like, oh, I don't remember you in this, but I remember that character. Yeah, he's kind of a chameleon that way. Yeah, and he's so he can good just at it. Become yeah. the character. Yeah, yeah. It's like I I forget all the time that he was in Amazing Spider Man too. Yeah, because uh, he's in Blink and you miss it because he plays Rhino, but he plays he doesn't even look like Paul Giamatti in it. Like he's just he is Russian gangster in mech suit. Like, yeah, he he is the ultimate extra. Even, yeah, because like that doesn't even call for that amount of talented acting. But he he put the effort in to actually like become somebody else a bit. Yeah, you know he's he's like I, I love Paul Giamatti when he's in there. You know what's going to be at least his part of it is going to be good. Oh yeah, and he's just I don't, he just does everything so incredibly well and smoothly. But I, and that's mm-hmm. kind of the the best part about him is that he is he's that chameleon actor that can go between any role in any movie show, whatever you want to see him in. But like yeah, I was absolutely. saying, like perfect extra because sometimes you don't remember or even know that it's him until after the fact, mm-hmm. which I think that speaks volumes towards uh, like his kind of talent towards acting. If you can believe that that person is actually another person. And don't even yeah. kind of cross those references together. Um, job well done. Yeah, there's, you know, it's it's kind of like a, like Stanley Tucci does that, where uh, there's so many people who can't stand Stanley Tucci because of his role in The Lovely Bones. Yeah, uh, he's because he embodied, he played the character so well that people can't separate the actor from the character. Yeah, uh, even when he, but he has to like completely change his look for him to be in something else and people not have a visceral reaction to him. <laughs> so speaking of the cast, uh, and this being a Rob Zombie movie, it wouldn't be a Rob Zombie movie if we didn't have Sherry Moon. Uh, obviously, Ooh. Sherry Moon. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like, you caught me on that one too. <laughs> oh, man. And she does so well in this. Oh. Like, She can be hit or miss yeah. uh, depending on the movie. Because she, you know, didn't grow up like wanting to be an actress. She yep. she was a model, and then she got with Rob Zombie. And he just started putting her in shit. <laughs> so like, sometimes her performances could be a little hit or miss. I think 
I'm I'm leaning more towards hits than misses than a yeah. lot of people give her credit for. But I was surprised at how well she took to voice acting, which like, is a completely was, different skill set when it comes to. Oh acting. yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that she gets called on is her voice, like especially in that first yeah uh, thousand corpses movie, where people were you know talking about how overdone her performance was and like how annoying her voice was or whatever, which, you know, I'm not agreeing with. I'm just saying those were some yeah, yeah. criticisms, but those qualities work well in animation. Oh, so well. And I, I think the same. She did a marvelous job as Susie X in this movie. Yeah. Uh, it, it is funny that, um, like, not only does Rob put his wife in movies, but he's pretty much going, hey, look at how hot my wife is in this movie. Yeah. Also, Look at my wife's titties. Look at them, like gratuitous shots. She's playing. She's playing somebody's mother in this, but yeah. her titties are out. And then in the cartoon, she's naked all, all the, the time. time, and it doesn't not look like Sherry Moon. No, no, you can believe like, that this is Sherry Moon with an shot. eye patch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> there is three more people in this movie that I want to touch on. One is uh, Denny Trio. Uh, mm-hmm. Who is the Rico boss? I think you can pick his voice from a million miles away. He's one of those guys. Oh yeah. Same thing. I think it's it's the voice um, that is just so iconic that it works so well uh, in an animated film. You want to talk about the ultimate extra, Danny Trejo. <laughs> Danny Trejo. Danny oh, Trejo yeah. pops up in anything, and you're like, I'm invested. Like, yeah, I'm like here. Danny Trejo. It's Machete. Like, <laughs> here I am. Yeah. Here he is, here I am. And you can pretty much bank on uh, that if it's a Rob Zombie movie or a Robert Rodriguez movie, he's in it. Danny Trejo is going to be in it. Like, he's doing something there. He he was in Star Wars. He was in Book of Boba Fett for yep. like five minutes, and you didn't question it at all. You're like, oh, he trains the Rancors? Yeah. Yeah, say it. Danny, Danny motherfucking Trejo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of somebody that is in everything, Velvet Von Black is played by Rosario <laughs> Dawson. <laughs> she is legitimately in everything. Like her filmography mm-hmm. is so damn thick. Like I, I don't think I that I can think of another actor or actress um, who has a back catalogue like she does, and so incredibly diverse. You want to talk about diverse, like like character actors, uh. The two people we're talking about right now, Danny Trejo and Rosario Dawson, were in this together. Yeah. And they were also in that Star Wars show. They were. And in both projects, they did not share scenes. (laughs) (laughs) They're like passing in the halls, and that's like their entire professional relationship. (laughs) The main difference, though, is like if you told I, uh, if you told me Rosario Dawson was in this movie and then I watched it, I wouldn't be able to pick her up. Like yeah. she does such a good job changing her voice. I had to look up who she played while I was watching. I was like, no shit. Yeah. That's Rosario Dawson. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And so like, I obviously I've seen this movie a bunch of times and I didn't know that was her the first few times I watched it. Like it wasn't yeah, until I like I actually start like looking at the movie or like, you know, putting something on or just like reading the back cover. And it's like, Oh shit, Rosario Dawson's this. Like, what does what she do? And it's the same thing. You look it up and you're like, no. <laughs> There's no way. 
Speaking of a no way character, can you think of somebody that appeared as themselves in this movie? That appeared as themselves? Mm. There was, in this movie, there is a single historical figure and he played himself. Super tricky one. Uh, All I can think of is the people who played their characters. Um, No, I, I, I can't think of it. So that was a super tricky question. Uh, lovely bit of trivia for anybody listening that wants to use this. Hitler's head played himself because they use archival footage of Hitler speaking and use it in the movie. Bro. <laughs> I don't know if that's better or worse. Like, I, don't, I don't know what to do with that information. <laughs> I was exactly the same. I saw that credit point and I was like, I... Do we mention this? Is this something that we can talk about live? Like, it's just, it was so, it caught me really, really off guard. It's like in, uh, for some reason in that era, like the the late thousands yeah. to the early 2010s, people were obsessed with Nazi stuff. Yeah. Uh, like in media, like you had Inglorious Bastards come yeah. out. Like uh, you had that uh, Saints and Soldiers one. Yeah. I think it was Saints and Soldiers. Uh, and then, uh, but more than that, Nazi zombies yes. were everywhere. You had like the, the, everywhere. the what was it, Blood Red Snow? Um, yep. I think that's what it was called. Then you had the Call of Duty stuff. So yep. having Nazi zombies and having people play Hitler wasn't uncommon because uh, this came out in 09, right smack dab in the middle of that. Yep. And, but for some reason, like in this goofy movie, where this blonde lady with with her breasts out yep. is killing Nazi zombies and then holding Hitler's head. Yeah. The fact that that was actually Hitler talking has me feeling weird. Like <laughs> it's it's a, such a different piece of information that I wasn't expecting. I, like, how do you even come up with that? Like, how do you even like yeah. come to that decision of like we're just going to use our archival footage? Uh, yeah, it's. It's so bizarre. It feels, weirdly, it feels weirdly irreverent, but like also you want it. You you don't want to be reverent of Hitler, but it almost yeah. feels irreverent of the situation. Like it's I don't know what the right answer would be here. Um, I, I I don't know. Like obviously there is one. We had I had to bring it up. But there is there this is one of those portals of conversation where here's the information. I don't know what the fuck we do with it. <laughs> Uh, I feel that because um, like you try to think of like, oh, what would you do if you were making the film? Like if you were the filmmaker? Yeah. And my first thought is, well, I probably wouldn't make a movie with Nazis personally yeah. <laughs> uh, like that. <laughs> but if I did, it would probably be like, yeah, have you seen Overlord? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hitler's not in that movie. No. There's some despicable Nazis that get killed, and it's super fucking satisfying to watch them get killed. Yeah, Hitler's not in there, no. uh, so I'd probably do something like that. But like, if if somebody was like, "Okay, Hitler's in the movie because you have to have his head because the the zo- he's a zombie himself, and the zombies are still following him." Yep. Who do we get to play him? If somebody said, "How about himself?" and we just use the real speeches, I don't think I don't know if I would go with that. I'm I'm in like, the same boat. Like. Any any other historical figure? Yeah, fuck yeah, that's a yeah. sick idea. Uh, Hitler, probably. You gotta not. think those those speeches. He's inciting. Yeah, 
the murders of millions of people. Yep. And then you're putting it to comedic effect next to titties and balls and and dicks. And yeah. there's just a disconnect there for me. Uh, yeah. Like, it, I, I think that's kind of in poor taste. The whole movie's kind of in poor taste. Oh, yeah. And it plays on it. I think this, that was the point of the movie. But that's maybe a little extra for me. Yeah. Like, like uh, at least go, like, the Kung Fury route. Yeah. Where, uh, like... Have somebody play them, have them be a caricature and and make fun of them that way. Like, you know, like Charlie Chaplin did. Yeah. Uh, having having the actual speech just doesn't feel good to me. Like, it was shocking to find out, obviously, like, yeah, everyone heard. But <laughs> <laughs> woof. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose uh, now that we're like almost half an hour in, we should probably tell you the plot of the movie. Um, but again, it's- And then it's our first spooky episode. Yeah, and- <laughs> This yep, is our first surprise. Halloween episode. <laughs> it's, professionals, guys. it's hilarious that we're doing a Halloween episode. It's a movie by Rob Zombie, and it's not Halloween. You know, something similar came up because uh, you had asked me um, if I had received any negative impact from our first episode coming yeah, yeah. out. Because the second episode at this at time of recording hasn't dropped yet only been the first one yeah and then i told people what the second movie is uh which will have came out last week clerks three yeah and i'm getting shitted on oh and really i have to edit that i'm getting shitted on I'm gonna have to edit that twice <laughs> uh <laughs> for us picking clerks three and not clerks mm. because people are like wait so i have to watch four movies in order to get the podcast and yeah like, you did Yep, and I'm like, do you think I'm gonna do that? I'm like, probably not. And then they're like, well, how did you guys land on Clerks Three? And I was like, well, Heresy asked, <laughs> I want to do Clerks Three, and I was like, okay, I love yeah. that movie. And yeah. that was the amount of thought that was put into it. <laughs> that 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 is us. That is that is one hundred percent on brand. Not only does this movie suck, but this podcast sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I almost spit. Uh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, let's let's get into that plot because it's while it's not overly central to the movie, which is weird, um, it is part of it. Uh, so essentially, we have a uh, doctor. Doctor Satan wants to turn into essentially Super Doctor Satan, uh, and to do that, he needs to marry Velvet Von Black, um, and that's because she has. A 666 mark on her ass cheek. Uh, Velvet Von Black is a stripper. And that's about that. That That's the that's the whole thing you need to know. Uh, Beasto takes kindly to the stripper. Uh, in this movie, he is an ex-luchador uh, and a current uh, adult star. But uh, that's that's it. That's the whole plot. That, that's everything you need to know. And then yeah, they rip off Carrie. Much. And- <laughs> yeah, they rip off Carrie. Basically... Neil Patrick Harris from Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog wants to become Satan from South Park. Yeah. Uh, and, and end up looking like Jafar from that. Aladdin. Yeah. <laughs> and in order to do that, he needs he needs a British ape voiced by SpongeBob to yep. go kidnap a stripper. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's, uh, that's where what we're at. jarring opening of the movie, though. You mentioned yeah. that Super Beast is an adult star. Like that, this is where the movie almost lost me immediately because I was like, cool. So it's just going to be 
adult humor in in quote unquote kids medium yeah. for shock value. Yep. Uh, which is what a lot of adult animation is, oh, especially yeah. in movies. Like they just take the easy, the easy, like, haha, we said titty, we said uh we said other words. Uh I'm trying to make your job easier by not going at all the <laughs> <laughs> but like we said we said this and we're a cartoon um and it's especially like invocative yeah. uh with the style that they chose because yeah. like you can see the ren and stimpy in there but it's also uh it looks like they put a lot of effort into making it look like 40s and 50s disney cartoons yes yeah and looney tunes like like it feels very much that way especially with some of the um animation gags in there how the characters move and how they scrunch and stretch and yep. and all of that like it feels very nostalgic for like black and white cartoons yeah yeah no, and yet it starts and he's casting uh his co-stars for a porno yeah and so like that that part for me it's funny mm -hmm. but it's the next scene that i don't know that really had to be in there because i the, the, it starts off with him casting the porno yeah it cuts to them filming the porno mm -hmm. That's the part where I was like, yeah, did we need that? Do, did that add anything to it? Like, I think casting and the actresses that he picked uh, in the film, I think that uh, that really sums up all we needed to know about that. Mm -hmm. I don't think we had to go into that that second bit, uh, especially because, same thing, that turned a little strange. They both turned yeah, into uh, to werewolves. Yeah, they immediately turned into Medusa and a werewolf, yeah. and he kills both of them violently and then that ends like that whole sequence ends the beginning of the movie and none of that is ever brought up again nope it does not affect the movie whatsoever except to just it, it's basically a heads up here's what we're doing it's a lot of this and story-wise it doesn't it, affect anything at all no no it really doesn't uh like you could maybe almost make the argument because um, Beast as a character is very full of himself as the um, mm. he, he's famous, essentially, where he likes to think so. Constantly giving out headshots and signing autographs of people that don't want them and that kind of thing. Sure, that may have tied in maybe a little bit. You know, actually see him on camera, but I don't think we had to go that far. In saying that... Oh, especially since... Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say titties. That that sentence finished with titties. Like, I was going to say, <laughs> in saying that, we got titties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if, we're, if we're trying to, like, if we were looking at this as, like, a, a filmmaking standpoint and, like, what the effective storytelling tool would be, yeah. uh, literally all you need is in th that scene where he walks out onto his balcony yeah. and there's the exterminator. Like, that's all you need. You just need the... The casting, real quick, if you have to have it. You get your titties in, uh, and then you go straight to him leaving. That tells us everything we know about the character. Because we, what we learn about the character, we don't learn anything about him in the porno stuff. It's nope. all about how he interacts with this person who just knocked on his door. Where he's yeah. like, uh, uh, here's a, here's an, I don't do autographs, but I'll do it now. Here you go. Here's a headshot. And like like doesn't listen to him at all. And then just goes on his way. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was, it was just a jarring, 
start to the movie. Wasn't expecting it, <laughs> especially since the, no. the actual opener for the movie is black and white, very, very uh, drawn back to uh, when, you know, Movies were shown in theaters in black and white and that kind of thing, and actually introduced by by some form of MC. Um, very very classic. It goes into that reel of the the old you know, orchestral uh, kind of thing, and then we go straight into that. Yeah, it's yeah, and it's a bit of a change. I th- I think this kind of uh, is, is not harbinger, but uh, it basically tells us what we're in for. Yeah. where it sets a precedent. That's what I'm trying to say. It sets the precedent of what we're going to see a lot through this movie, where I think um, the writing process of this, or what I gather from watching it was basically Rob Zombie and Tom Papa were like, it would be really funny if this happened. Oh, it'd be really cool if this happened. Yeah. I want this to be in there. And they had a bunch of different sections. They had a bunch of different individual ingredients Yes, and then they were like, "Uh, I guess this connects this way. I guess yeah. this is how we get to here." And they kind of filled in point A to point B, but it feels disconjointed, and yes. it, it doesn't feel like a cohesive film. But a couple things happening, and then and then some filler gags to push to the extend it. Yeah, finger quote narrative. It's uh, a <laughs> co- I think non cohesive is a pretty great way to describe this movie. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, Especially since, like, like some of the stuff they're not telling us in in the show, yeah, or in the in the in the setup and stuff. Uh, Doctor Satan at the end of the movie is like, "Hey, there's two superheroes outside, and you didn't tell me." And I was like, "They're superheroes." <laughs> yep. Like their official title is superhero. Yeah, it's like we we haven't. Been I think this, this is the all. first time. He- I, I think this is the first time hearing this. Uh, <laughs> Okay, I thought he was a porno actor, but I guess he's a superhero because he wears a mask. Yeah, and the thing that feels really weird about that especially is because directing an animated film is so different from live action. Like the jobs are essentially night and day, which means like this whole story and like the the vision that they must have had for it, I don't know what it was other than to make let's make a funny movie. Yeah. And I think that that's yeah. all it is. Like you were saying before, like everything feels, you know, very disjointed and, and non-cohesive. It feels like they've had, uh, they've wrote scenes or sections and then they've just kind of shuffled them around on a storyboard mm-hmm. and said, okay, this is the order that we're going to put everything in. Because animated, yeah. has it has to be very, very deliberate. Like you, you don't get extra scenes because that's an extra few months of work. Right. Like everything that goes into it that's about it like it's it's not often that we have cut scenes or scenes that get cut from animated movies like the blooper reels from toy story had to be written and decided upon yep. like which makes them normally funny don't get me see, wrong but yeah normally when you see a cut scene from an animated movie it's still just in the sketches you can see the bass lines and, yeah. and stuff and somebody's flipping through the pages it's not usually a fully animated sequence that gets yeah. cut, like you said, because of how much work it is. And like, here's the thing. There's like so much in this movie that like, we're talking like, doesn't really have to be there. This is a short movie. 77 minute runtime. And that's including the credits. Yeah. Because there's two after credit scenes. Yep. <laughs> For the purpose of, you know, we're supposedly getting a part two, but we're, we're a fair bit down the line. 
But that I don't yeah, know. I don't think that's coming. fourteen years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, like, not for nothing, the type of humor that this is, like, it's extremely dated. Yes. Like, yeah. Like a lot of it is extremely dated. Like I counted four when I when I noticed it and started counting. I was aware of four uh, punchlines where the punchline is ha, gay. Yeah, and that's like, that's still a thing in there. Yeah. Okay. I uh, which went no with in two thousand nine when I was fifteen. I probably would have laughed at. Like I, yeah. I probably would have been like ha. Got him. Yeah, <laughs> that was a completely but, different time. Like, and use uh, the use of that word in those kind of situations was incredibly prevalent. It was it was common yeah. common no uh what's the word common syntax for a lot of those yeah. for the time. Feels pretty shit now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's jarring now. Yeah, like it's it's like a slap in the face. And I remember around that time there was I don't know if it happened in australia but around here there was the don't say gay campaign uh where there's literally like like anti-smoking ad type deal yeah but it was about not using gay in a derogatory way and like that campaign i know it sounds silly but that was like one of the first times where i was like oh we shouldn't see it's funny you (laughs) you say i know it sounds silly and i'm thinking how fucking backwards is australia that we didn't have that (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know, because like, like normally when uh, we're getting a little off track, but normally oh, those miles off track. stuff is, <laughs> is 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 just stuff that you shouldn't have to tell people. Yeah, and right now I would say like this day, this this time that we're in, I would be like, yeah, obviously you don't have to tell people that. Like if somebody's still saying it, they're just trying to be edgy and yeah. like free speech, whatever. But they're a dick, and yeah. then. Not even two decades ago, it had to be said. Yeah. And it actually worked on one person, myself, where it actually started, uh, it got me to think. It triggered me to think about, you know, what the actual word meant and what I was meaning when I said the word and how I was saying it as a 15-year-old when this came out. Yeah. Was how they were saying it, written by, you know, a 40-year-old man. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's... uh... It felt pretty shit. It's like a couple yeah. of those, um, but you're right. That that really severely dates it. That that was, uh, you know, considered fine to to put in. And that movie. that and um, there's two R words in there, at least. And and that that's another one that was just common lingo. It's yeah. still. I'm not saying it's not common lingo here where I am, Massachusetts. Uh, that you go into a few places and you hear it a lot. But to throw it in a movie, a little different now. <laughs> yeah, it's just thrown in there. Yeah, that's the punchline. That's the joke. Yeah, like the when we're talking about gay or the R word, like that's the joke and that they're trying to make. Yeah, is like we said this word and like that happens a lot in adult animation. Like we're yep. saying, where like like the shock value is the joke. Yeah, and trying to go back 15 years to the shock value. Nothing really shocks us anymore. Uh, <laughs> except finding out Hitler voiced himself. <laughs> that's, that's a big deal though. <laughs> but like, yeah. And look, a lot of the movies that we're going to go through, um, 
in life in general, but also like you know, doing doing this podcast. Um, and we've already spoken about doing aliens like already or alien. Yeah. Um, there has to be that slight uh, slack given for dating in the period and all that kind of thing. Mm. And I, I caught those as well watching it, you know, when we have to review and critique it. Um, mm-hmm. I caught those and I thought I can, I can let it slide knowing the error, but I'm not okay with it if that came out now. Yeah. And even saying let it slide doesn't feel great. Right, because you're not saying like like I forgive it for what it is. You're saying yeah. like this was commonplace. Uh, it yeah. was fucked up then. We didn't realize how fucked up it was. We realize now, so we need to address it. Yeah, uh, which I think is, you know, not to. I'm not saying like, oh, we're great for doing this, but I think that's one of the most responsible ways to consume yeah. older media is to say this was messed up. Don't do that anymore. Uh, this was the time and you know it needs to be talked about yeah like like don't don't recommend your friend uh who's never seen it to just go watch ace ventura like yeah without any kind of warning just be like hey here's some triggers in there or not maybe not even triggers but here's some stuff to be aware about you know because that one hurts me from a nostalgic point same i watched i watched that as a kid like like yeah. as a child, like like I'm talking like seven, eight years old. I was watching Ace Ventura. <laughs> yeah, same. I I've I've watched it recently. Like <laughs> this is kind it of hurts a, a movie. It, yeah, it do, do, does not hit the same. The, we um, probably won't. We probably won't bring Ace Ventura on the podcast just because of that. Because like yeah, we'd spend the whole podcast talking about that. It would sour the nostalgia in the movie, even though like yeah. you should address it. Like yeah, yeah. Although I, uh, I will from time to time bring up the uh, the rhino birthing scene. Well, that was in the second one, so it's okay. Oh, that one's fine though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a social uh, commentary? Oh, that that were pretty on par with that white devil comment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But yeah, back to Super Beast though. Yeah. Uh. I don't think we need to spend a ton more time talking about like writing in the story. Oh, um, because there's not much there. It's a lot. One thing the humor or the writing kind of leans on is the humor. A lot of the humor is what we were just talking about. And then like 60% of the humor is references. Yes. uh, To other movies. and some might even say better done movies. Um, so <laughs> well, if you haven't seen a lot of movies, classics you're missing out. Yeah. 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 But, uh, you know, there's, there's just so much reference humor. Yeah. And then the other humor is like robots horny. Haha. Yeah. Uh, a gorilla's going down on her. Haha. And like shock humor. So like yeah. once you get a couple of the gags, like you kind of get the gist of the movie. You do. Very uh, quickly. One thing that didn't get old for me though, was the music. Yes. That is exactly and, where I was going next. <laughs> because holy shit. Su- <laughs> <laughs> what surprised me um, was who the music was done by. 
I love one the name of the band, and then when you look at yeah. their real names, yeah, like it had to happen. This was something that had to be. <laughs> there is no way that you couldn't do it. I, uh, I'm going to let you take it away with this because this <laughs> so, is so good and you're so excited. <laughs> I'm taking all of this thunder straight down thunder. This is so the band that wrote the songs, not the score, but the music for the movie. And these songs are fucking amazing. I will make work for myself. They are just so encapsulated. They're incredibly well written. Musically, they're fantastic. Lyrically, they're hilarious. The band is a comedy duo called Hard and Firm. Now, that's funny by itself. Until you come to the two guys that make up this comedy duo is Chris Hardwick and Mike Furman. <laughs> Hard and Firm, it just works so well. And then that's their real names. Like you, you couldn't, you could not write this any better. Like for fiction, like there is. If you saw it in a movie, you'd be like, fuck off. I don't believe that. That's not a real thing. <laughs> but the fact that this is real life is hilarious. So I don't know much about Mike Furman, but another layer that makes this funnier to me is who Chris Hardwick is. Yeah. Uh, because if if you if the name's not ringing the bell, um, if you've seen some of the zombies' other movies, like House of a Thousand Corpses, he's one of the teens that gets murdered by the Firefly family. Yeah. Firefly family. Firefly family. There we Firefly go. family. Uh, <laughs> and then um, he also hosted the after show for Walking Dead called Talking Dead. Yep. For many, many years. And he also started uh, Nerdist, the, the nerd news company. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is just for me. But... Uh, uh, one of my favorite musicals, like musical movies, is uh, Rock of Ages. Yeah. But Chris Hardwick was the original Stacy Jacks in the the actual play yeah. before it became a movie. So, like, I, I'm, I've been a fan of Chris Hardwick for a long time. And the fact that I looked, uh, I looked at, like, oh, hard and firm. That's funny. Ha, ha, ha. Who's that? <laughs> Fucking Chris Hardwick. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, I I love the music in this film, and honestly, that is the this is the shining gem uh, for this, and it's probably why I've watched it so frequently. I've seen it so many times now because of the music. Everybody gets their own theme song. There's uh, there's these little stops in there for a music break to explain what's going on, or like and it's probably actually why the movie is a bit shorter, like. Otto comes on and gives you the rundown in this minute song. And it's like, yeah, that's a pretty big plot point. And yes, I remember it now because that song was catchy as shit. But that probably could have taken up 15 to 20 minutes to actually get across in film. Um, so it kind of does make sense thinking about it that way, that it is a bit of a shorter, shorter flick. The downside to that is even though like the music's great and like it does imprint that plot point in your head, uh, you don't have time to sit with no. Super Bisto as a character. Uh, so you get this quick backstory of him and then the rest of the movie, he's just an insufferable dick. Yeah. <laughs> and he's our hero. So like, like 
even when you're writing a shitty person as your protagonist, because your protagonist can be a villain. People oh, yeah. tend to think protagonist, hero, antagonist, villain. Not always. Um, but even when you have a shitty protagonist, I'm cursing a lot. I'm sorry for your <laughs> process later. <laughs> uh, this is going to be the episode marked explicit. Yes. <laughs> I'm just not doing it. <laughs> not today. <laughs> Upload. <laughs> uh, you still need to have the audience connect with that yes. character in some way. And by having it be a quick montage, we don't get another moment to connect with Super Beast, though. No. We get more connection with uh, Susie X. Yeah. Yeah. We get more connection with her. She's almost more of a protagonist than Super oh, yeah. Beast was. Yeah. Uh, and the movie really could have used something to grab on to with yeah. Super Beast, though, because he's he, he doesn't care about his sister until he doesn't realize who he's sniffing is yeah. his sister. Yep. And he has an incestuous moment, does not care about his sister, does not help her at all, even though she's doing all this to help him. Yeah. Uh, and doing doesn't all care the work. about women and doing all the work. Uh doesn't care about women in general. Uh like is just mm-hmm. a horn dog the whole time. Literally, his he's not trying to save the world or anything. He's trying to save, yeah, the woman he wants to sleep with, uh, just because he wants to sleep with her. Yeah, uh, that's it. And it's not even he doesn't even know that the the world might end until the end of the movie. Like yeah. his whole arc is literally like they took the girl I want to fork. That I'm is... gonna go get that girl to fork. Yeah, and it's it's so much. It's so obvious that there's even a scene in it where he goes to Susie and asks for help, and she's like, and she starts rattling off all these different terms for vagina, and she's like, "Are you sure it's not about this? Not about poontang? Not about cockpit? Not about the vertical bacon sandwich?" <laughs> um, and I will tell you, vertical bacon sandwich is forever in my vernacular from this movie. It is, <laughs> it is my go-to. Uh, as far as naming things where you don't want to say it out loud, um, be it other ears around or or whatever the case. But um, it's just so incredibly obvious and they don't, you're right, they don't put any, any more into Bisto at all. We don't get anything out no. of him other than that. That is it. And it's just, <laughs> it's, it's obviously a lot of the humor and storytelling at surface level and they were just trying to, make what they made but yeah. like from from a from a audience standpoint it's like why do i care yeah why do i care what happens to this guy i don't yeah. like this i see none of myself in him so i'm not rooting for him yeah and if i'm not rooting for him i'm not rooting for the plot to go forward which is really weird because like thinking about it now in this kind of way obviously the movie is named after him he is supposed to yeah. be the main character He's also the one that gets beaten up the most. He doesn't win a lot of those fights. No. He get he get, gets crushed down pretty pretty hardly. Like if we yeah, were he if doesn't we talk through it, like this were this is a Susie X movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, but like it plays that way, but it also kind of doesn't. But no, there, there was there was no character right. development in here. I uh, I don't know if they no. were I don't know if they were working off people like assuming people who are going to watch it would have known the comics um, or if that it really just that wasn't a thing. Yeah. It, it seems like they expect you to go in already knowing some stuff. 
Yeah. Um, but another thing that ha- kind of happens with Susie X, I think Zombie and Papa, this is my interpretation, I can't say for sure, but I think Zombie and Papa were trying to make fun of, you know, man-children that only I'd go that look at women yeah. for, you know, as objects and, and pleasure and stuff, and that's why he makes them badass because like it makes him them their own characters mostly Susie x not really uh von black but you know she has agency you know yes um but then at the same time like i think they went so far into making fun of and being meta and and you know nudge nudge that yeah they did the opposite and it and it kind of you know feeds more into objectification and then it does uh, to the other yeah right because like i think it's supposed to be a tongue-in-cheek when they have the whole song of like you know when her and von black are fighting which there's no reason for them to fight at all it's kind of shoehorned in it was very very uh yeah super shallow reason to get into that (laughs) yeah like it's a cat fight over a man that this lady doesn't care about who she just met that day yeah uh and then, like, it literally breaks down of, like, it's okay to masturbate to cartoons. And, like, has that yeah. whole song, which is a hilarious song. Oh, yeah. But it, it you know, it's not passing the Bechdel test anytime soon. No. <laughs> Probably not. This is, this is not one of the movies. No. Yeah. So, like, it's, and uh, even to even come to that conclusion, you have to know Rob Zombie. Yeah. You know, you have to know that Rob Zombie is, one, a feminist. Yeah, is to a vegan, uh, and he's making fun of like there's the peta patch, yeah, instead of pita. Like he's making fun of that too. It's like all tongue in cheek, whatever. Yeah, but you have to actually know Rob Zombie. Yeah, and if you don't, this doesn't hit <laughs> like, <laughs> in the way I think he intended. Yeah, and I think that I think that's also very very on brand for Rob. It's. I don't want to say that he's making things for himself, um, but I, I think that is what's happening. Um, yeah, it's like as like you know, we have guys like Kevin Smith, who says flat out he makes things for himself and for his friends, movies that he wants to yeah. watch. Um, but there is a little, there's a lot more consistency and you know stuff to grip onto in Kev's movie and his writing. Compared to Rob, who is just like, I'm going to do all the same in-jokes, but they're literally in-jokes for just me and my friends that's happened in real life (laughs) and hasn't (laughs) appeared in any other form of media yet. So this is going to be hilarious for us. And some idiot just gave me $10 million to do it. I think that's that's kind of what it feels like. In saying that, I fucking loved this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh... With with that, we could we could probably go into the story unless there was uh, something else that that hit you with this film. Uh, I don't think so. I think I uh, I think I got my rocks off <laughs> in all the places I wanted to. Uh. Look, this, this we've we've said it a couple of times now. This is not the movie for the meeting of the minds. It's very shallow, low hanging fruit for the vast majority. Um, it is. It's just a. It's supposed to be just a fairly cruisy, fun watch. I don't think can really apply too many of the cinematic values uh, to something like this. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, 
I don't know if I would have been as hard on this movie if I saw it back in the day. Yes. And then there was this nostalgia factor. Like, this was my first watch. Yeah. And I'm going to be 30 in less than six months. Uh, yeah. So, like, I am full on grown ass man watching <laughs> this movie. And it was like, the first okay, time, this feels. Yeah. This feels outdated and for, you know, teenager me. Um, yeah. So it was a little little tough to get through. That being said, I don't think I was exceptionally hard on the movie. All right, let's uh let's break down some scores. So we'll start off okay. with uh writing. Mm. What did you think of the writing? I think there was pockets where the writing and the dialogue was really good, uh yep. especially with Paul Giamatti. Yes. Uh, and and uh, Tom Kenny with the you know Doctor Satan and Otto, um, and it did manage to tell a story uh, that you followed, even if it was kind of barely there. But there, a lot of the humor didn't hit for me. A lot of it seemed a little forced, uh, and there wasn't much of a plot. And like we we're talking yeah. about, it felt like kind of just glued together of what they wanted to see specific things. So they kind of. M- you know, not made something up because that's what writing a movie is, but like, like kind of just like didn't put the effort into making it cohesive. Yeah. Uh, so for writing, I gave it a 67. Yeah, that's fair. I, I kind of thought that you would take not, not a hard ass approach to it, um, but a lot more critical, not having seen it. And I knew coming into this, obviously having seen it before that this is not the movie for an era that we're in now. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I I kind of I dipped back a little bit um to when I did first see this movie. I think it was about 20. Um so yeah, it came out in 2009, it would have been 19. So yeah, it wasn't long after like I knew it was coming out, but I hadn't seen it for a while. So I was probably 2021 something along the lines of um which, you know, back then I was in university. Things still would have been you know, teenage funny was still funny. Um, yeah, yeah. I hit it with an 85. Now, I know that sounds high. Wow. I know that sounds high. Um, but I went back to the first time I watched it. Now, obviously, I took some marks off for stuff like fairly disjointed uh, plot, cuts back and forward, not a lot of consistency in there. Um, but vast majority of the jokes I thought were funny. Um, a lot of the the actual story itself is fine. Like the the plot itself, yeah. like if they explored a little bit, I think that would that's a pretty good premise for the movie. But I also loved the tie in uh, with a lot of score. Now I don't know how they did the score if it was before or after. Um, one would assume before it's going to make it fit in. I don't know, but I love the times that they do have, um, especially when that carry scene hits. So right. just after they, they turn around uh, and then that song comes on and you're just like, oh, shit, that's why it does feel so familiar. Like they, they straight out saying, why do you have to rip off carry? That is the song. <laughs> like, <laughs> And see, stuff like that, I love those kind of tie-ins, um, especially kind of when they when they make that break and they're like, yeah, we're calling ourselves out on this. This is exactly what it's supposed to be. Um, right. Stuff like that. I think, me personally, I think that's smart humor, and I love the way that those were written. So, yeah, 85. I know it sounds a little high. Remember that uh, <laughs> people are going to compare 
your score is here to what you gave Alien. So, yeah, let's let's do it. <laughs> and you you wait you wait for the next episode. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, performance oh. is the second on our list. Performance, I actually liked a bit more yep. than the writing, and which, which which we talked about. Like we had some really high highs with. Yeah. Uh, with I think Sherry Moon uh, stealing the show a bit, Paul yep. Giamatti and Tom Kenny and Rosario Dawson. Like I think a lot of people, you know, really Brother all did a great job with the voice acting. I think there was some side characters that sounded like they were supposed to be cameo, but like an in joke cameo. There is a lot of Not cameos really in a, this movie, but I don't yeah, know the names. That's my point. Yeah. Uh, so like they were like kind of a cameo for cameo's sake. Yeah, but like we don't know who the cameo is, so it just feels kind of out of place, and their performance feels out of place. And also, it might be that like they didn't get a lot to work with, even though they were doing really well. So, I put performance. um, Hitler's excluded from this, (laughs) like just not even in the conversation. But I gave performance a seventy-two. Okay, solid. Um, So a bit higher than writing, um, because I think a lot of it was really good. I went with a solid eighty-nine. Um, because I cut away everything else, um, and I thought the the voice actors, well, the actors that were playing the characters, I thought they were incredible. Um, like you can take points off the script, but that's not their fault, um, and oh, yeah, just other bits and pieces like that. But I thought like the their individual jobs were fantastic. Sherry Moon, um, as we spoke about, is not a trained actor; she was a model. Uh, kind of got with Rob and thrown into a lot of these movies and that kind of thing. But I, I think she was on par with Rosario Dawson, which is a mammoth task. Um, like Rosario did a fantastic job of playing the character that she was given. Um, like tremendous, I thought, especially since it is so far away from her. If you see Rosario Dawson walking down the street, you do not get Velvet Von Black. Uh, this was so completely left field of her, and she did such a killer job. Um, but I loved everybody uh, that did it. So yeah, solid eighty nine. Cinematography. What are we looking at yeah. for, for that? So with cinematography, uh, normally we're talking about how things are shot, how it looks, yep. you know, like and how well they were able to replicate real life or stylistically, yep. you know, replicate real life. There's a lot of special effects and costuming that normally goes into what we're talking about. Animation is totally different. Uh, oh yeah, you know, we're looking at animation quality, how well it flows, uh, and you know, basically, is it interesting to look at? Like, yeah, is basically what it sums up. Uh, so like we talked about, there was, there was some Ren and Stimpy vibes and a lot of old school, like old, old school animation stuff, uh, inspiration rather, uh, that I love, I'm a huge yeah. animation guy. I love animation and they did a lot of these gags and this, this, you know, proportioning and, and, you know, animated physics really, really well. And everything was kind of interesting to look at. You can pick apart the background and stuff like that. The downside for me was uh, that it did look like a TV show. Yeah. And it didn't have like a, it didn't feel like a feature film just okay. by looking at it. Yep. Uh, so I really liked how it felt like old school cartoons and stuff. Um, 
in like kind of how it was quote unquote shot or storyboarded would be better yep. word for it. Uh, so I gave I gave cinematography a seventy seven. Oh, I think it was really solid with some great stuff in there that was cool to watch. Yep. I I fuck. I think I've scored far too high for this film in every <laughs> category because <laughs> uh, I went with a ninety two. I again high. Um, I went uh, have a look through uh kind of the difference in directing a, a live action to an animated film. What goes into storyboarding just for this movie, just to have a look and see. Because um, no, this one was obviously a pretty hard one to, to score off since we do have a lacking of a lot of those pieces that we do score on generally. And then going through and then, you know, noticing some of the shots, what they've done. I love the animation um, as well. So, I yeah, I went pretty high with a 92. Respect it. Yeah. I so, like, a lot of this stuff, even though, like, our categories sound pretty objective, oh, yeah. like, there's so much subjectivity in this. So like, much. I was talking to um, one of our mutual Twitch friends, Danae, um, who, you know, kind of, she went to school for this, and she was like, yep. you can't be 100% objective. Oh, like, oh. like, how you feel about the movie is what you're rating and saying. Uh, so, like, I'm, I'm not going to try to clip your score down and be like wow really because like like i could see that you know like i can see you liking it that much and um and i'm not an animator or anything like that i'm definitely not an expert that's just how i was feeling and like when you're watching it and you're trying to pick apart certain things like like you're trying to separate certain things yeah it's not always easy you know because like it's really um, not like part of the animation was this jarring image, but the writing called for it. So which one, which am one I gets blaming? It? Here? Yeah, yeah. And in my my mindset, a little bit of both. Yeah, uh, a little bit of both gets it. Yeah, yeah. That's solid. It, and that's the thing. Like, um, things are so incredibly subjective. Uh, things are so incredibly objective and subjective. Um, it's like, what's what's your favorite color? Why? Are you wrong or right? Yeah. Like, it's it's really hard to, to do there. Um, <laughs> score. Now, this is not the the score score. This is the music score. I'm going to let you say, go first on this one. What did you think of? So, for this, I put score and music together because it makes sense. Like, the actual well, songs. Well, I think we were talking about just, just switching scored a music anyway because it yeah, looks better. Makes sense. Uh, so yeah. we'll just call it music from now on. Okay. Most people are gonna think that when they hear it. Um but yeah for, for music, I thought the original songs were great. Yep. Uh you know with uh you know hard and firm. Like I thought they did a great job. They did get a couple of knocks from me because some of the jokes that we were talking about did happen in the songs. Um, yeah. Some of the R word drops and and the gay and uh, so that hit a little bit of the points off for me. Um, uh, but I did what you did. I fused that music and the the orchestral yep. score, not really an orchestra, but uh put it all together. The the other music, the music that wasn't talking at you, you know, <laughs> um <laughs> didn't really stand out to me. Like there was a couple parts like when they when they they're coming into Dr. Satan's lair where I was like, Oh, this is pretty cool. Um, but the other stuff, especially like the the bar scene where like you're yep. supposed to 
get hit with something, you know, pretty not iconic, but like you're supposed to get hit with something that stands out. Didn't really do that for me. Um, the lover boy needle drop. Oh, it was great. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> uh, like I wasn't expecting that at all. Uh, yeah, that was completely left field, but it worked <laughs> so well. <laughs> uh, so mash that all together. I gave music a seventy-four. Okay, solid. I liked a lot of it. Um, I didn't care about some of it. Yeah, I um, I love the music in this film. Mm-hmm. It is just fantastic and so much so that like uh even in preparation I, i'm gonna say in preparation for this episode it wasn't it's just like a it's just like a real life thing uh like i'll put dinner on <laughs> and put this album on to kind of listen to <laughs> well just because it's fun it's catchy um i i gave it some pretty pretty high praise because musically i thought they were in great spots they explained a, more of the movie than the writing itself did um <laughs> if we're being honest. Uh but yeah, I, I loved everything about it. I gave it a ninety-nine. Wow. Wow, yep. And that wow. is that is probably okay. the highest I am ever gonna give. But I just I loved those songs so much. I thought they were better better than um like South Park songs. It's, you know, some South Park songs oh, yeah. are fucking yeah. hilarious, but mm-hmm. they feel drawn out sometimes, they don't stick. These, I think, were the perfect break. And for me, this entire film rests on these songs. Uh, Without these songs, I don't think I would be as invested in the movie. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. yeah, I hear you. So I know 99 sounds high. I think I've, honestly, looking back, I think I've overscored uh, for a lot of things. Um, (laughs) I, I don't know how impartial I was on this one. But yet, I well, this is your second movie in a row being very, very impartial. Uh, <laughs> Clerks three last week, and then everything then gets one. hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but All look, right. yeah, it, it's just it's one of those things, man. It's I just feel I think it's also just how we look at things. Everything is so different and what like what we don't like, um, what hits, and even down to the kind of mood that we're in taking in that media. Can mm-hmm. play a fairly massive role. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm just gonna let my my nostalgia kind of steamroll this one. Hey, I respect <laughs> it. Yeah. I respect it. At uh, least at least I'm not taking the other boat. So yeah, I, I didn't score high, you scored low. This is, uh you should <laughs> you should love this movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that takes us to vibe. The vibe, vibe uh, uh. and I, I had somebody ask for a little bit more explanation of the vibe or, or saying that uh some new listeners would benefit from a reminder of vibe yeah because vibe isn't necessarily a movie scoring category or a, or a category that or a or a what's the word i'm looking for it's not really something you think about when you're thinking about like yeah. movie related terms definitely are more the most subjective category because it's basically saying did this movie pull you in and uh, did this movie, uh, how did this affect you emotionally? Did yeah. this hit where it was trying to hit? Uh, did it, did it build a world that you could kind of get lost in thinking about? Yeah. Um, honestly for vibe, I think that the vibe of the movie scores higher than the, than the other parts individually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because for 
everything that we're talking about, this world that Rob Zombie created feels like a lived in world. Yeah. It definitely feels like something that, that, you know, you could put a game in, you know, yeah. and like explore yep. like something like that. It is exactly what it, what I think it, it was going for. It <laughs> does what it was trying to do. And it puts out a very, um, niche and original vibe. Like yep. it doesn't feel like anything else. No. Um, so even with my problems with that, I still scored it a little higher than the other categories. And I gave vibe a 77 because I think a lot of what it does environmentally, it does effectively. Yep. Even if the story, the vibe of the story doesn't read through as much. Yeah. That's a, I think that was, yeah, that was your highest score out of, uh, out of everything. Yep. Yeah. It tied with cinematography. Yep. Um, yeah. All yeah, that yeah. added together. That gives me a final score of 73.4. Uh, which we round down to 73. Cool. Which uh, comes to my vibe. Mm-hmm. I did not rate this 100. Uh, I rated it 99. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, but it, it should be, it's no secret by the end of this episode that I love this movie. Um, it hits me nostalgically. It hits me musically. Uh, is This whole thing is just about fun and Vibe is kind of where we get to go off. Uh, this is this is probably where I should have just like overscored and done everything else like a professional, but vibe is is where we really get to kick. And I went with a ninety five. There's a few things that I don't like about this movie, but as a whole, what do I feel about this thing? I like to look at it if is if somebody came up to me and said, "Hey, what do you have you seen the haunted world of El Supervisto? What do you think about it?" Instantly, like a man, this movie—it's so fucking funny. The music's fantastic. I don't have a bad thing to say about it. Within like the first 20, 30 seconds of having a conversation about it, uh, right? Which comes down to like I, I wholeheartedly enjoy it. Like, don't get me wrong. There's a few pieces that that kind of miss. It is not the perfect movie, but for what I enjoy about it, yeah, shit, yeah, ninety-five. Uh, that earns it for me. I gotta respect it, and that's the that might be the man child inside, but uh, I just I really enjoy this film. So, what does that give you for an overall? That gives me total of a ninety two. Ninety two. Ninety two. I don't get me wrong. I love this movie. I was not ex- even. I wasn't expecting the the total to come out that high. All right. So seventy three plus ninety two divided by two. Gives us 82.5 roundup. That gives an official This Movie Sucks score of 83 out of 100. Wow. Let's let's be honest here. That that was me dragging these scores up. That is two points <laughs> less than Alien. And I'm gonna go ahead and say, if I had the choice, if somebody said to me, I'm gonna put on I'm gonna I'm gonna put on a movie. Do you wanna watch mm-hmm. Alien or do you wanna watch El Super Beast? <laughs> Man, one hundred percent. It fucking Beasto is on. This, this is my party All right. movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it is a lighter movie than Alien. A lot. Like Alien, you're gonna. There's some movies you just don't put on all the time because yeah. of how heavy they are. Like Alien is gonna suck you on and it's gonna make you feel uncomfortable in a great way. Yeah, in the best way. But it's it's like Logan. Logan is one of the greatest superhero movies Mm. ever made. Mm. I've seen it twice. 
<laughs> because <laughs> it is just so heavy. Yeah. There is uh, a where lot. something like yeah, and and like where something like something that's not as heavy um that I hold in like the same ranking is the Batman. Yeah. And I've seen the Batman five times since it came out last year. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Logan, I've seen twice since what, what was that, 2017? Like Yeah, yeah, it's getting on. It was a while ago. Yeah. Like <laughs> say like even compare like staying staying in like the in the comic format, um going to something like Deadpool, the first one. You can mm-hmm. put that on anytime, anywhere. It doesn't matter if you start halfway through or at the very beginning. That is don't get me wrong, it's a great movie, but it's light, it's bubbly, you don't have to be super emotionally involved in everything it does. But yeah, it's like they're three great films. Uh, all so very different. Yeah. Um, Even but, Deadpool 2, I would say, is more yeah. emotionally heavy than Deadpool 1. Deadpool 1 was uh, a lot of things. Uh, mostly emotionally investive is not one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> it's just enough. It's just yes. enough to hook you and for to you make to you care about the characters. Yeah. Yeah. You care, but. Um, not that much. But this hasn't been an episode about Deadpool. This has been this an has episode been about an episode. the the haunted world of El Super Bisto. I just called it El Super Bisto in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> I still call it Bisto. <laughs> 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 I've said it so many times that this this is just Bisto to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not gonna lie, going into it blind and being a big Rob Zombie fan, I expected to hear Super Beast somewhere. Yeah. There Even was, if it was just in the credits, there was I expected uh, Super Beast somewhere. There was a few little things like, um, like the neon signs in the back thing, like um, live dead girls and stuff like that. It's very, very on on brand for for zombie. And we had some cameos as well uh, from Otis and Spalding, Captain Spalding. Yep, we're in there. Um, I can't believe we didn't talk about that though. Yeah, especially when we we brushed over like Ray Jackson stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, and didn't even mention that they were in this movie. <laughs> but well, if you want an entire recap of the movie, just go watch the movie. We just talk about the movie. We don't we don't describe the movie for you. Look, that's we, not this podcast yet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this podcast actually goes for longer than the movie does. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we I think we call cut for this one. Well, uh, this has been This Movie Sucks. Uh, I am Cedric Jameson, a.k.a. Bunny Defender, a.k.a. Your Monster Applebee's Date. You can find me at twitch.tv slash Bunny Defender. That's B-U-N-N-I-E-D-E-F-E Defender. Oh, shit. Uh, where can I find you, Heresy? <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm Heresy for Heretics. You'll find me on YouTube, Twitch, Instagram, any other social media where I can, you know, funnel in all those kind, loving words uh, to, you know, kind of soak in and do my ego proud. Well, thank you guys for listening. <laughs> uh, we will be back here next week at the same time, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern on Thursdays. We got we got a big lineup for you guys. We got the next couple months lined up. Yeah, we got some uh, big with new episodes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just like a MySpace uh, band in you know oh uh, oh five oh seven. Watch this space. Big things coming soon. Yeah, 
big things coming soon. And here's the thing. You're all in our top eight. I don't know. With how I score, you might be top three. (laughs) (laughs) Next week, the boys dive into an American werewolf in London. Will we fetch and catch? Or are we barking up the wrong tree? Find out next time on This Movie Sucks.